Good evening. Our reading this evening is from Luke chapter 5, beginning at verse 1 and finishing at verse 11. That's Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything, but because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signalled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. Thank you, Sue. The 6th of July, uh, 1957, there was a 15-year-old teenager who went to a local church faith. He didn't really want to go because he's part of the church. He wanted to go because he wanted to find some girls there. Um, but he, he didn't find any. But there was a, a, a local band that was playing. And they sort of snuck onto the set. And he listened to them and was pretty impressed. Um, and in fact, he, he went to speak to the, the lead vocalist after their set and had a chat with him. Uh, and the lead vocalist was interested in this 15-year-old. And in fact, he, he listened to play the guitar. And he was so impressed with his guitar skills, he invited him to join the band. Um, that band was called the Quarrymen. Uh, and that was the first meeting of Lennon and McCartney. It's an event that some may say uh, changed history, well, the music history anyway. It was a, an event of two people meeting together that, that some may say changed the world. In our story today, uh, we see another meeting. It's not actually the, the first meeting of Jesus and Simon but it did change the world. So it certainly changed the world of Simon and actually, by extension, changed the world for everyone else as well. So let's pray as we start uh, this evening. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, this account. And we pray, Lord, that you would uh, help us to uh, get a greater glimpse of who you are, to have more certainty of who you are, to have a bigger vision of who you are. And to be changed by you tonight. 
Amen. If you remember, we've been in a mission month last month, haven't we? So we've been slightly different. But now we're back onto Luke's Gospel. And you might remember that Luke, we started Luke's Gospel, we just asked that bit of the Christmas narrative. And now we'll keep going with the story. But any time we look at Luke's Gospel, we have to remember that very first verse, in verse, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. It's the verses that tell us why Luke is writing. Let me just read them for you. Luke 1, 3 and 4, with this in mind... Since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things that you've been taught. Luke wanted to help his friend, Theophilus, know that the things he'd been taught were true. Now, now he could have said, look, look Theophilus, that Jesus is king, trust him, follow him. Job done. But he didn't, he? He told a story. He gathered together all the accounts. He told a true story about Jesus. He'd say, look, you know these things about Jesus be true. Let me show you. Let me give you certainty. And that's what he's doing here in chapter 5. In a microcosm, he's telling us a story. So when we see verse 1, we see Jesus. Now, if you remember the last time when Don was speaking in dinner chapter 4, you remember that we saw Jesus, who'd been preaching and healing and around the synagogues in Capernaum. And then he went off some hills and they said, oh Jesus, what are you going to do? And he said, well, I've, I've got to go preach in the other towns. And then we see chapter 5, verse 1. Uh, One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowded around him and listening to the word of God. He was preaching. But Luke's just going to start putting the pieces onto stage just to tell us this story. We have Jesus preaching. In fact, he's probably still preaching Capernaum, down that area. And he's at the water's edge. And just in the background are some fishermen. They're just cleaning their nets. They've been out the night before, catching fish. Who knows whether they caught anything or not? But they're cleaning their nets so they can wash them, dry them, and fold them up and put them back on the boat for the, the night's fishing the next day. Jesus is there preaching, the fishermen in the background, and then uh, there are so many that Jesus wants to go out into the lake so that he can sort of have a better vantage point. So he he just asks one of the fishermen, Simon, who he's already met before, chapter 4, verse 38, he he healed Simon's mother-in-law. He said, oh, can I just borrow your boat just to to go out a bit? And again, Simon, probably, just thinking, well, I'm I'm just cleaning my nets. Yeah, of course, Jesus, off you go, that's fine. Just take the boat, that's all right. So Jesus goes off. But it's now the story really begins. Verses 1 to 3 are just the background. It's only when he stops speaking does the story begin. So here's the first thing. Verses 4 to 7. The great catch. The great catch. So Jesus finished speaking and he says to Simon, Oh, so uh, put out your... Put out to deep water and, uh, and let down the nets for a catch, verse 4. Now you can slightly imagine what's going through Simon's head at this point. He's, he's thinking, Jesus, you're, um, you're a carpenter, aren't you? I'm, I'm a fisherman. I, I don't quite ever recall telling you how to make a table, so why are you telling me how to fish? Because uh, Peter knew how to fish. He, he grew up on the lake. If you were to blindfold him, take him out into the lake and sort of unblindfold him, he'd know exactly where he was. He could tell you, is this a good spot to fish or not? 
He could tell you where the fish were, because that's what good fishermen do. And the number one thing he would tell you is, he says, if you want to catch fish, (laughs) don't go in the day. The sun is too hot and the rays are too bright, the fish just dive down to the bottom, you won't catch a thing. Now, Peter might be thinking that. Simon might be thinking that. But he doesn't say that, does he, actually? Verse 5 is amazing. Simon answers, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. Maybe with that tone of thinking, and we're probably not going to catch anything now. But yet, he continues, doesn't he? Verse 5 again. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. Because you say so, I'll let down the nets. Now, we don't know why he may have done that. Maybe he's thinking, Jesus healed my mother-in-law. He's somebody who's a, a man of God, someone that I should listen to. Maybe he's thinking, look, I'll just, I'll just do what it's just easier to do what he says. And then say, I told you so later on. But he does it. He's obedient. And then verse 6. And seven, when they had done so, they caught such large numbers of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to the other partners in their other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full they began to sink. Fishing boats designed to catch fish and take them back to shore are sinking because there's so much fish on them. I mean, just think how many fish you need for that. And we just imagine the stories they'd be telling their mates back on the shore. We had so much fish, our boats are sinking. That's a great story, isn't it? It's amazing. This is the greatest catch probably ever seen. Because it's been done by the greatest fisherman. And that's not Simon. Simon knew where the fish were. Jesus knew the fish by name. Simon knew what the fish looked like. Jesus knows how many scales are on their back. Jesus was a, so Simon was a good fisherman. Jesus made the fish. He's the creator. It's the great catch. But that follows on to our second point, verses 8 to 11, the great laws. Now there's a story uh, of uh, the Queen back in the 90s. Of She went down to her local horse show in Windsor, as you do, because she likes horses. Um, and she wasn't going as a royal visit. This is a kind of an undercover operation. And she was wandering around and uh, she came to particular tents where you needed sort of a badge to get in and the, and the steward in the front of the door said, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, love, you, you need a sticker to get in here. And the Queen supposedly just said, I, I, I think you'll find I'll be allowed in. And then supposedly the, the guard retelling this said, I, I just thought she was an old deer who got lost. Now, he, he probably had a picture of her in his pocket, in his wallet. He could have put out any £10 note and seen a picture of her right there. But when face to face with the Queen, he didn't have a clue. So much so, it's a story being told 20, 30 years later. 
but Simon? Simon knew exactly who Jesus was. Verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Master. No. He said, Go away from me, Lord. Go away from me, Lord. Simon recognises that the reason Jesus can catch the fish is he's the one who made the fish. He's the creator. Now, he doesn't know why he's come. That comes later in the Gospel. But here he sees in Jesus that he is divine. He is God. He's under no illusions and no mistake. But then to see his response, he felt just as he said, Go away from me, Lord. I'm a sinful man. Simon Peter knows himself. He knows that he's a sinner and he knows that Jesus is divine and he knows the two cannot be near. He knows they cannot be together and so he says, Lord, you must cast me away. You must send me away or I will go away because we cannot be together. We cannot be near. You are God. I'm a sinner. That doesn't work. And he's right. He's right. But did you notice what Jesus says? The first thing, he never disagrees with Simon. He doesn't say, no, no, Simon, no. No, you're not a sinner. Don't talk like that. that that's bad for you. He never says that. Instead, he says three beautiful words. The second half of verse 10, Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. Jesus, knowing full well who he was, knowing full well the mistakes he'd made, the past he had, said, don't be afraid. In those few short sentences that the heart of humanity was laid bare, just as we prayed the confession, Lord God, I have sinned. Simon knows he's a sinner. Simon knows or speaks just as we would all speak. I have not loved God as I should. I have not loved others as I ought. I'm a sinner. But then Jesus says, don't be afraid. Jesus who says, I will never cast anyone aside who comes to me. Whatever you have done, Anyone who comes to Christ will never be cast aside. Any time that you've said, I'll never do that again, but yet you find yourself doing it again. Come to Christ and you'll never be cast aside. Any time you find yourself falling away from faith and backsliding, come to Christ and he'll never cast you aside. Jesus says, don't be afraid. But more than that, he then says to Peter, from now on, you will fish for people. He doesn't simply welcome him into his kingdom. He gives him a task to do. He says, you know what, now? Now you're going to go fishing for people. 
You're going to go catch people and catch people for life. Now, when you go fishing, so I'm told, at least anyway, uh, you, you, you chuck your line, well, not your line, your reel into the, the water and you try and reel the fish in. You get them up, you catch a fish if you're lucky, you get a photo and you take it home and cook it for your tea. Now, I do one of those things. Tesco and other people do the first bits for me, usually. Um, but for the fish, being caught is a death sentence. When a fish is caught, that's, that's it. But here, being caught by Jesus is not a death sentence. It's an adoption into life. It's the best thing ever. Becoming a Christian is the best thing ever. And this is what Jesus is doing right here. He's fishing for Simon and his friends. And then he says, now you go do the same. I wonder if you think that becoming a Christian is the best thing ever. If asking your friends about what they think about Christianity, if that's really the best thing. Sometimes you might think, well, I don't want to change their, their lifestyle or I... I couldn't change their culture or I don't want to change uh, what they're doing. They seem so happy now. It's just going to be awkward and difficult and make things worse for them. Being a Christian is the best thing we can do. Offering out the gospel to people is, is not like offering chocolate. So sometimes at Christmas time or Easter, you have a load of it and you're just really generous and handing out left, right and centre. And we do that because chocolate is nice, isn't it? I I like chocolate, dairy milk, if you're interested. Um, It's the best thing you can, you know, you think it's a nice thing to give, but it's not kind of like an essential thing. It's kind of an add-on. It's kind of makes someone's nice a bit happy. Is that what the gospel's like, making somebody happy? Offering the gospel... Offering life, offering Jesus, is like offering oxygen to somebody who can't breathe. It's the best thing you can do. Inviting to Alpha is, is one way you can do that. But if they say, no, that's fine. But helping them to offer Jesus is the best thing that we can do. And so then lastly, that leads us to our final point. Verse 11. We had the great catch and the great Lord. And then finally, drop everything for the great Lord. Remember we said that that Simon and his friends may have had that story of, do you remember that day when we caught so many fish, fish, the, 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 the boats were sinking? Do you remember that day? The story they would tell their friends. But that wasn't the story they're going to tell their friends today. Verse 11. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything and followed him. The story was not how many fish. The story was we met Jesus. And so they left everything straight off. There was not even a thought. That fish probably would have cost them, rather brought in so much income for them, that would have seen them up for a few months. But they just dropped it, not a thought, and went to follow Jesus. 
because they saw he was worth it. I wonder what that might mean for us. For some of us, that, that might mean dropping a career or a career path. Seeing that Jesus is the best thing ever. Seeing that he is the creator God. And that actually, maybe the last month you've been hearing that call to drop that career or or career plan and say, actually, you know what? I'm going to go and uh, become ordained. I'm going to go to a different part of the world and and tell people about Jesus there to try and catch people for life there. I'm going to drop my plan and pursue Christ instead. That that might be a, a literal call for some of us here. Or it might be more figurative. We're going to drop some of our income. Maybe after we look at our income that we have and we take out the necessary expenditure and then we sort of see what's left over and we say, well, how am I going to use this? What would it mean to, to, to drop everything for Christ with this that I have? That's a challenge that I know I need to hear. Or maybe it might be to drop some of our time. I'm going to drop a lunch time, a dinner time, to to pray for those that need to be caught by Jesus. Now, I don't know what that might look like for you, but there's a challenge for us to say, what would it mean for us to drop everything, literally, figuratively, to follow him? But do you know what? Just like Simon and his friends, you'll never regret it. Never regret it. There will never be a decision you make to follow Christ in some area of your life where you'll say, I wish I hadn't done that. There'll never be a regret to follow Christ. Never be a regret to give up something for Christ. Because when we drop everything, We catch Jesus. Let's pray. Loving Father God, thank you so much for this story that Luke shows us of the majestic picture of Jesus. Lord, help us to see Jesus as he really is, as our creator God. And help us to respond rightly, knowing that any choice we ever make for you, we will never regret. Father, we pray that you may show each one of us what that might be in our lives this evening. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.